0: And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the title, as you guys saw, was Running Against God. I'm just so excited uh, this morning to share God's word with you. Move a little bit closer. And uh, if you guys can at this point in time, please open your Bibles to Jonah 4 and say, God is great. You guys are quick. This month at FCC, we've been exploring the book of Jonah we've seen that the story of Jonah is much, much more than just a kid's story. In fact, it's it's not even primarily a story about a big fish or a stubborn prophet or even a sinful city. At the heart of the book of Jonah is the story of a loving and compassionate God who desires every single person on earth to turn from their sin, repent, and be forgiven. (coughs) Excuse me something you and I take for granted a lot, is the love that was shown by Jesus dying on the cross, His blood that was shed, His body that was beaten for our sins, so that we could spend eternity in heaven with Him. Jesus wants us in heaven with Him, John 14.2 says. It says it and He makes it very clear. It says, My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there? to prepare a place for you. You see, <clears throat> in Jonah in chapter 1, Jonah ran from our loving God. In Jonah 2, as Jonah was sitting uncomfortably inside the well, he ran to our loving God. And we saw last week in chapter 3 that Jonah finally came to his senses and he decided to obey God's command. After being vomited up by the well, God gave Jonah a second chance to go to Nineveh and preach God's message to them. This time, Jonah obeyed. But in chapter 3, Jonah ran with God. And amazingly, the whole city, the entire city of Nineveh, they listened to Jonah's message from God and repented from their sin and wickedness. The whole city, they humbled themselves, you guys, before our holy and loving God. And as a result, God chose to forgive them like He forgives you and I. Uh, That would have been a wonderful place. For Jonah to end the story of Jonah to end but that would have been a very happy ending as well but the story of Jonah didn't end there obviously sadly in chapter four as Jonah witnesses God's mercy and grace on the people of Nineveh Jonah as you see will run, choose to run against God and we need to pay careful attention to what Jonah does in this chapter because truth be told is that sometimes you and I as Christians do the same exact thing as Jonah does so if you guys will read verses 1-4 through four with me. It says, But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said? Lord, when I was still at home, that is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But I love in chat what verse 4 says. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah is angry with God for showing too much mercy and for showing too much compassion and for forgiving those people because God did not destroy them like Jonah thought they should be destroyed. He's angry for God, for bottom line, acting like God. Jonah had such a double standard, though. He was such a hypocrite. Think about it. He was perfectly fine with God <clears throat> having mercy on him in chapter 1 when he had the seedweed wrapped all around his head and he was about to drown. Jonah was perfectly fine with God having mercy on him in chapter 2 when he was getting really tired of sitting inside a well's stomach being digested. And Jonah was even perfectly fine with God having grace on him in chapter 3, when God gave him a second chance to carry out God's marching orders. But, you'll see in chapter 4, Jonah wanted nothing to do with God. Showing that that same kind of mercy and compassion and grace to the people of Nineveh, Jonah is a reminder to all of us that we are quick to receive God's mercy and grace when we sin against him. The man, are we slow to share that mercy and grace with those who sin against us. In verse 2, Jonah did not want to live anymore after knowing that God was gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, and a God who relents, yet God (coughs) showed his compassion, he was slow to anger. He was abounding in love and a God who relents even when we don't deserve it as he did here with Jonah by showing his grace how he dealt with Jonah. At this point in time, you see, Jonah was a self-centered, temperamental servant of the Lord But even so, even so, God sought Jonah when he fled from the Lord. And he gave Jonah a second commission But the most astonishing demonstration of God's grace is when Jonah was disappointed, mad and at a fault, finding child of God, and he even criticized God for the way he dealt with the Ninevites, but God is so compassionate once again that God is a giver to those who do not even deserve it like you and I and Jonah. Like you, I, and Jonah. Grace is what God does for us freely. God, grace is what God does for us freely because of Christ. It is God's attitude, it's his attributes towards those who sin and spit in his face and want nothing to do with him. Yet God willingly extends his grace and his mercy towards us sinners, towards you, I, and Jonah. You know, God's grace is one of God's names. And the first note is so many times we question what God is doing instead of trusting what God is doing. So many times we question what God is doing instead of trusting what God is doing. Mostly in those hard times. Right? We tend to question God and run away from God when things are hard, when finances are tough, when our health is bad. But it's so easy to trust God when things are going great, when our finances are awesome, when our health is awesome. Man, is it hard to trust God when times are rough. Jonah still didn't want to go to Nineveh because he knew the character of God. He knew that God was gracious and compassionate. He knew that God was slow to anger and abounding in kindness. He knew that God would forgive them if they just turned away from their wicked ways and sought the ways of the Lord. But here's the bottom line. God is always good and we're not. Jonah's not, neither are we. Boy, is this a hard lesson, though, for Jonah to learn. But then again, you guys, it's a hard lesson for all of us to learn. Because if the truth be known, there's a little bit of Jonah in all of us and a lot of Jonah in most of us. So many times we ask, can I really let God be God? Can I really trust him? Can I really let him take control of my life? Can I really trust him and believe that he knows What is best for me? That He really has a purpose and a plan for my life? Can I really acknowledge that He is in control and I'm not, even though sometimes I think I am and I want to be? God will often do unpredictable and extraordinary things, and sometimes they are things we don't like. Look in this passage of Scripture with me, if you guys will Romans 5 3 through 5. It says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that the suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So again, when trials come, when troubles come, God is always more concerned with our character than our comfort. It's important. I think you guys should write that down. God is always more concerned with our character more than our comfort. Always. Maybe we need some attitude adjustment here today. Maybe Jonah or we, one of us here, need a change of heart or how we think about things. Are we listening when God is talking to us, but we don't want to listen because it's something hard? Are we listening? Are we learning? And can you hear what God is trying to teach you? God is in charge, you guys, not us. God always will be in charge, not us. And guess what? God doesn't have to ask for your permission. He doesn't have to ask for your blessings because He is God and we are not. But look at the question that God does ask Jonah in verse 4, if you will, with me. He asks Jonah, Do you have good reason to be angry? It's pretty cool here because notice that Jonah never answers God at this point. He never says anything. Let's pick up the story again and read verses 5 through 11. <clears throat> it says, Then Jonah went out from the city and sat east of it. There he made a shelter for himself and sat under it in the shade until he could see what had happened in the city. So the Lord God appointed a plant and grew it up over Jonah to be a shade over his head to deliver him from his discomfort. And Jonah was extremely happy about the plant. But God appointed a worm when dawn came the next day, and it attacked the plant, and it withered. When the sun came up, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint and begged with all of his soul to die, saying, Death is better to be me than life. Then God said to Jonah, Do you have good reason to be angry about the plant? And he said, I have good reason to be angry, even to death. I love this part, what the Lord says. Then the Lord said, you had compassion on the plant for which you did not work and which you you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight. Should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons? who do not know the difference between their right hand and their left hand, as well as many animals. So now, Jonah is a stubborn, stubborn individual. He leaves Nineveh, and he's still hoping that God will destroy the city, but God has other plans. So many times that happens to us in our lives. Three things happen in short order, as you'll see, all appointed by God. Verse 6, what does God do? He appoints a vine. Verse 7, he appoints a worm. And in verse 8, he appoints a scorching east wind. In Jonah's eyes, the vine was good because it gave him shade, the worm was bad because it chewed up the vine. And the east wind was very bad because it caused him, what, great discomfort. Yet all three of these things, the vine, the worm, and the wind came from who? They all came from God, the same God who appointed the vine, also appointed the worm, and also appointed the scorching wind. The real question boils down to this, you guys. Jonah and us. Do you only love God when he gives you what you want? Which is a good question for all of us, right? Do you only love God... Do you only love me when things are going well? Do you only love God when life is easy and you're comfortable? You're comfortable at your job. You're comfortable with your house finances. Or do you love God when the storms of life come crashing down on you too, such as losing a family member, bad health, bad finances, loss of a job, loss of a house? Think about that. In chapter 3, God saves Nineveh. In chapter 4, God's in the process of saving Jonah. And guys, salvation is a process. It takes time. God wants us to be changed, to be more like Him, to be in the image of Him. That's what a Christian is, to be Christ-like. Read two Bible verses for you guys. Philippians 2.12-13 says, (coughs) Excuse me. Therefore, my dear friends, uh, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Romans 12:2 it says, do not conform, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, God is at work in all of us. He's not finished with us yet. He wants us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. He wants us to change the way we think and our thought process. He wants us to be more like Him. You guys, God knows how to deal with the most wicked sinners. He saves them. But what does God do with those thou holier church folk? He saves them too. He saves them to be more like Himself. You see, God is in the life-changing business. He's in the life-changing business. He saves people and He continues to save them, transform them throughout the journey of their lives. God is transforming us, changing us. He's preparing us, equipping us, and getting us ready for the kingdom of heaven. how can we tell if we are being changed? These are questions. How can we know that God is in work in our lives? This is how. It's simple. We know that we are being changed when we start loving the things that God loves. We know that we are being changed when we start acting like God acts. Because God is the potter and we are the clay. God's in the process of molding us and making us into His image. But Jonah's story ends with the question. God asked Jonah, should I not have compassion on Nineveh? Should I not be concerned about that great city? Should I not love the people there? Of course the answer is yes, right? Because God always loved people and loves people. God is always concerned about you and I. He's always concerned about you and I. But there's a great difference between Jonah and God. God loves people. Jonah, he loved the plant more than he did the people, more than he did about Nineveh. Jonah was more concerned, again, with this comfort than he was with this character. He would rather be comfy and cozy under his plant with his pajamas on than be concerned about the conditions of Nineveh. But here are three things we can learn from the book of Jonah. The first one in your guys' notes, it's simple. It's what I've been talking about this whole time. It's God loves people. God loved the people in Nineveh, and He loves you and I so much. Nineveh is your neighbor next door. Nineveh is the teller at the bank. Nineveh is the guy next to you in line at Walmart. Every time I prepare a speech, I don't know why I always have to mention Walmart. It's pretty funny. (laughs) It's the person you bump into at the store. It's the people you see driving down the road. Nineveh is the relative that you haven't spoken to in years because you're mad at them. Nineveh is the pregnant teenager that should have known better. Nineveh is the person you saw with all the tattoos and weird body piercings that you raised your eyebrows at. Nineveh is everyone. Even though you may not like them, all these people are Nineveh. All the people around you, your friends and your foes, the good guys, the bad guys, everyone in this world, God loves them. And we should strive to love like God loves us. You see, Nineveh is not just a place, it is people. And wherever you find people, you find Nineveh. In all of its splendor and power and glory and greed and brutality and evil, it's all there mixed together, the good with the bad, the light with the darkness. Both you and I live in Nineveh. (coughs) The message is clear. God loves Nineveh because he loves people. He loves the people who make their living in the big city. He loves the people working in the country. He loves the high desert folk in the country. God loves people he always has and he always will and the story is of Jonah is that God wants Nineveh to be saved to be saved the second is in your notes God's plan for saving people involves people God sends Jonah to Nineveh in order that it may be saved and so Jonah was to go preach there God uses people a lot to save people. Was Jonah reluctant? Was Jonah rebellious? Was Jonah stubborn? Yes, to all three, he was. But God finally got his attention. After spending three days, three nights in the belly of a great fish, Jonah went. You see, God's plan for saving people a lot of times involves people. Jonah was told to go to Nineveh, and eventually he finally went. Stubborn guy. Eventually, he did what God asked him to do. Let me ask you guys this today. Is God calling you to do something, but you haven't done it? Have you ever been reluctant? Are you being stubborn? Have you ever been rebellious? I know I have. And then, But God has a great way to get my attention. What will God have to do to get your attention here today? What will God have to do for you to obey him. Why in the world can't we obey God without all this drama? We should pray, Lord, help me to pay attention to you. Lord, make me an obedient servant. Lord, help me be a part of your plan for this world and help me to be a faithful servant. Help me to be a witness for you and help me to tell others of your love. That's what our prayer should be before we leave here today. God wants to use us. He wants to use every single one of us to save the world and let us willingly be part of His perfect plan. Three in your notes is that God's willing to do whatever it takes to save people. It's an awesome God. God's willing to do whatever it takes to save people. So, you may ask, how far is God willing to save the people of Nineveh? He was so intent on their salvation that He would never let go of Jonah. He would never let him off the hook. Jonah was the plan for Nineveh. Jonah needed to go there. Jonah needed to preach there. Jonah needed to witness there. God did what He needed to do to get Jonah there. And finally, finally, Jonah went. Jesus is the plan for you, and He's the plan for me. God sent Jesus for you and for me, for every single one of us here in this building, from everyone alive in the world. <clears throat> Jesus wasn't rebellious. He wasn't stubborn. God wasn't rebellious or stubborn. He came for us willingly. as you guys know it, John 3:16 says, "For God so loved the world, He sent His one and only begotten Son, <clears throat> that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have." eternal life. God's actions, you see, guys, God's actions speak louder than any words. God never let Jesus off the hook. He gave His Son for us. Jesus prayed that the cup might pass from Him, but it didn't. God had a plan for our salvation. God was willing to do whatever (coughs) it took to save you and I. He gave up His Son, His one and only Son, Are you willing to live for Christ and persevere like Jesus did for us by dying on the cross for our sins? As we leave here today, let our actions speak louder than any words. For example, do not just lift your hands here today like you did in praise and then slip back into your sinful ways with a tongue that can't be tamed, eyes that can't stop looking at bad things, having an affair on your wife, Or husband, treating your spouse with disrespect, abuse, whatever it may be. But Lord, we thank you for Jonah. Because I'm so much like him and I can relate to him. I thank you that even in giving us an autobiography of a man that was so proud to wander away from you, Lord. That you have encouraged me and caused me to want to run to you and not away from you. Because when we tend to run away from God, it just doesn't go well. Things don't go well. They might for a minute. They might for a week. But then we just want to run right back to him. So I ask that you would give us the courage by your Holy Spirit this morning to run to you, Lord. I know that there are some of you here, with men and women here today, who have been running away from you, Lord, for far too long. Far too long. Would you just capture their heart, Lord, right now? Would you just capture their heart? Would you convict their heart? Would you draw them and allure them to yourself by your Holy Spirit in the next few minutes before we close? Would you unify our body as believers here today? And would we leave going out as missionaries this morning, spreading the word of God? I pray that if we've been sitting on the outside of the city that we go back in to the city and that we follow Jesus by picking up the cross and saying, I love people even more than I love myself. So we do these things. I'm going to ask for the prayer team to come up uh, right now. And if you guys need prayer requests of any kind, I'm going to be over here in the middle if you feel like you've been running away from God, like Jonah was in four, you have nothing to lose, everything to gain. Come running for God and living for Him. You've been backslidden and you know that you have. Come up. If you have never witnessed Jesus, but you have today, come up and I'd be delighted to pray for you, any one of us. So as Brendan comes up, I will Go down there and God bless you guys. Thank you so much. Just remember, may we all walk in faith and fight the good fight.